praise God. Father God, we thank you that you are here right now to meet with us. You have been meeting with us. You are meeting with us, and you will meet with us. You are tabernacling with us. We are seeing you face to face. The veil has been lifted. We are being transformed into the image that we see in the mirror, the image of Jesus. You are Emmanuel, God with us. You are Yahweh Shema, the Lord who is present in each and every situation. God, we bless your presence. We bless your showing up. You are Yaira, the Lord who makes yourself visible. You are making yourself visible in our physical ailments, in our soul aches, in our spiritual encumbrances. You are making yourself visible. We bless you, Yahweh Yaira. Oh, we bless you, Yahweh Rapha. We bless you. You are the one who heals all our diseases. Your perfect work be done in our hearts. We declare right now, search us, O God, and know us. Know every anxiety, every fear, every anger, every bitterness. Know our hearts. Lead us in your way everlasting. Oh, God, where you have peace for our souls, the shalom of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for bringing that to our hearts, pouring that into our hearts. And confusion, heaviness is gone in your presence. The peace that goes beyond understanding is our portion. In Jesus' name, I speak peace to the physiological problems with our minds and the spiritual problems in ourselves. The peace of Jesus bringing things into order. I want you to uh, just get your elements ready for communion. If you don't have them, um, someone will be around to pass them out. I trust that there is a deacon in the house somewhere that will do that. I'm going to invite Pastor Paul to come up. He has a word of encouragement for the house. And I just want us to hear this word before we take communion. God, give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to receive what you're showing us, what you're giving us, what you're speaking in Jesus' name. I'm, I'm going to read a verse from, you can uh, sit if you'd like to sit, that's okay. Just let's, let's be in the presence of God. You can take a seat if you want. And the, the verses before this verse from Ephesians 4 and after this verse are us verses. He's talking to us, not just to me. He's talking to us, the me part of us, but he's talking about to all of us, about us. Be angry, verse 26, and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So if I'm to be angry and I'm not to sin, how am I supposed to do that? And I felt like what he was saying was, stop being angry with people. Period. Come on. 
Be angry and do not sin. Do not give place to the devil. So in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let's bring God into all that, wherever that anger, anger, that offendedness, those hurts, and stop trying to battle it with people. The devil's in us battling with people. Stop. The devil, I believe that's for a number of us here. I was, I was, by the way, angry this week with somebody and didn't last long, but it ticked me off that I got offended. It, it ticked me off and it gave him a place and I do not want you or me to give him a place. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I believe as we break that place, many things the devil's doing will break off you. Amen. Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, for your conviction. That's just another word. That's just a conviction in the, as it's interpreted in Scripture. It's just another word for convincing. Convincing our hearts, yes, Pastor Paul, that he is healing us of our bitterness. He's healing us of our unforgiveness. Lord, as we get ready to commune with you, search us, know us, see us. We're told in the word of God to examine ourselves before we partake. Let each one examine him, herself, and see if there's anything there. I want to give a moment for that right now. Holy Spirit, search us. Show us what we need to be repenting of. Repentance is, comes from the Greek word metanoia, which means change of mind. It's not my willpower that makes the change in the mind. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that makes it clear that my mind needs to change and I choose to work with the Holy Spirit as His grace fills me. And I change my mind. I let go of the hurt. I let go of the offense that did entangle me. And I choose to follow Jesus' plan, forgiveness, freedom, and freedom indeed in the name of Jesus. Father, we repent. We repent. We say no to the things that are not of you that we have partnered with in our hearts. And we say yes to your perfect and good will, your perfect and good plan. We say yes to your presence and yes to freedom. Covenant simply means God is for us and we're for him. When Jesus broke his body, he said, take the bread. Do this in remembrance of me with a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of gratitude. We call it Eucharisteo. We call it Eucharist. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking your body for us. 
thank you, Jesus, for making a way that we no longer have to live as slaves to ourselves and slaves of sin. Thank you, Jesus, for making a way for us to be one with you. We thank you for breaking your body. took the cup and said, this is the new covenant of my blood. This do, this drink in remembrance of me. Lord, we thank you for the blood that was spilled on the cross. And by that blood, by your stripes, by your sacrifice, we are healed. Spirit, soul, and body. And so we covenant with you and your blood. In Jesus' name. such a good word, Pastor Paul. Part of the problem the first church had with communion was they were not getting along with each other. When we commune with the Father as He would have us commune with Him, as He wants us to commune with Him, as He wants to commune with us, we need to understand as we get close to Him, we get closer to each other. They both work in the same way. Bless your unity. Bless your love flow, Father, between us and you and us and each other. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. So good. God bless. Let's honor them. We're in a series. Everybody say series. That only I know the name of because I haven't told anybody what the name of it is. So you cannot find this online, but I assure you the messages are there. Just look by date. I'm not going to go into the last three messages. Uh, I'm going to go into this new one because it's fresh for today. But this series is called Take the Land. (laughs) Praise God. Take the land. We don't do it in our own strength. It never works out in the history of mankind to do things in our own strength. Not by power, not by might, but by his spirit, says the Lord. That's how we do it. But he wants us to take the land, and you'll see more of the development of that if you look online, if you haven't heard the last three messages. But today I want to talk about something that's been very uncomfortable for me until now. (laughs) Vision. Vision. It's been uncomfortable for me because I've felt an expectation from so many that I should have a vision as I take over lead pastor role three years ago in the church. Uh, Becky's not here, but she would be nodding her head how uncomfortable this topic has been for me because I felt pressured. I felt like people wanted something from me that God wasn't giving me. And I felt pressured because I wasn't hearing from God in this way. A lot of it because of him. He was doing something different. But some of it because of me. My ears blocked. I've got my spiritual earplugs in, not hearing what the Lord is saying to me. But I felt pressured to come up with my own vision because I wasn't hearing from him. And I refused to do it. All I could say to people three years ago was, my vision for this house is the same vision Jesus had as he served the Father here on earth. 
everything I see you doing, Father, that's what I will do. Amen. <clears throat> that's a good vision, right? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> Not everybody thought so. <laughs> What's your five-year plan, Pastor Josh? What's your 10-year plan? What do you see happening? Oh, amen, sister. I've got enough to handle today. Sufficient for the day is its own troubles. That's what Jesus says. Be in the moment with him. Amen. I was up in the balcony about three years ago. Fasting, I was praying, and this impression, a picture of what Jesus wants to do with cancer in this region came to my mind. It went beyond my mind. It went right to my heart. I'm a cancer survivor. My wife's a cancer survivor. You would think this would have happened beforehand, but it didn't. Sometimes I'm slow on the uptake. I began to pray in tongues like I've never prayed before, a spiritual prayer language. I was using words that I had never heard come out of my mouth. And I saw this picture of this region becoming cancer-free. I didn't know it at the time, but that was the seedling for the vision of the promised land. That was one way that he wanted to work in this area to bring his blessings, the flowing of milk and honey that he calls the promised land of old. He wanted to call this that, and he wanted to make it happen. Jesus teaches us to pray. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but in fact, it's our prayer. He's teaching us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That word will comes from the Greek word philema, which means good pleasure. Your kingdom come, Father. Your good pleasure be done here in this region just as it is in heaven. Guess what? There's no cancer in heaven. Vision, when you have it, and I'm telling you, we have it. When you have it, it causes you to see something that is not there yet. Oh, thank you, Jesus. It always involves people because God is about people. He tells us the second commandment is like the first. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, is like the first. Very important to God. It always involves people when we get a vision from God. And he sows a seed looking at a problem, a predicament, some kind of challenge. The mountain in front of us, he sows a seed of seeing that mountain get moved. Amen. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's a lot of mountains that he is speaking to. And it's not just in this service. Oh, certainly it is this service. But it's not just this service. It is us in this season. He's stirring us. He's sowing seeds of hope. He's sowing pictures that are heavenly, a heavenly reality that he wants to be an earthly reality. I want to give you a definition of vision. Vision is faith for a specific heavenly breakthrough here on earth. God has given us a collective vision, which it doesn't matter to him that it's not put in the form of a nice, succinct, 
catchy slogan phrase. It's not done there yet. Maybe it will. But he's given us a vision in our hearts that this is a promised land. But he's given us each specific faith for specific viewpoints. You get things I don't. I get things you don't. We get things that each other don't. There's specific things, pictures, visions for what God wants to do that we get. And he's designed it and in a way that only he could design it. Only the way that he could bring it together. He's designed it for all this diversity to come together in one expression, bringing the promised land to bear. And there was silence at ACF. <clears throat> Not the first time. <laughs> Holy Spirit, help us see what you want us to see. This isn't a definition that I contrived on my own. The Passion Translation defines faith. It brings hope into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. When someone gets a vision from God, there's something that they're seeing that they cannot shake, Brother Jim. They cannot shake it. It's a deep ache in the spirit. It's a deep ache in the, in the heart. You know that this is what God wants you to do. And it doesn't matter what resistance you end up encountering. You go through it and you press through. I liken it to an eagle that's not born. An eagle in the egg that wants to grow, wants to burst through the shell of resistance and catch flight and soar higher and higher and higher. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. That word wait is active. When Isaiah says that, chapter 40, verse 31, he says wait in activity. It's not passively receiving, passively waiting. Oh God, come it's seeking his face, intentionally setting time aside. Not going about my agenda, but seeking him with all my heart. I want to be on your agenda. And he imparts his calling. He imparts his vision. He reveals it. He wants us to soar like eagles. As soon as any preacher says anything about vision... This is the verse that everybody thinks about. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. I want to take us a little bit, a little journey. Quick. Say quick. <laughs> into where this verse actually comes from. Because we don't know where it comes from, but it actually has a lot to do with the promised land. This, on this map, you'll see the journey that Moses led the first generation of the children of Israel right after the exodus out of Egypt. This is the journey they took. There's a lot of detail in this map, but I said it was going to be quick. I want to direct your attention to the bottom of the map. This, the bottom of the, what's called the Sinai Peninsula. And you'll see 
Mount Horeb written there. It's also known as Mount Sinai. This is the place where Moses was seeing God face to face. God is writing with his finger on tablets of stone. Moses is 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain seeing God face to face, receiving revelation, receiving vision. The people are at the bottom of the hill doing something else. God gives Moses the words and says they have turned quickly from the law. They're taking off their earrings of gold, melting them down, and they have fashioned a calf and called that their God. Moses, seeing this, says the people were unrestrained. This is where that verse in Proverbs 29 comes from. Verse 18. Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. Same word, unrestrained. Moses has a vision. He sees what God wants to do. He's seeing God face to face. He's entrusted the people under the care of Aaron, but Aaron is not able to restrain them. Every single generation has an opportunity to step into the vision of God. Every single person has the opportunity to step into the vision of God. The children of Israel were listening to another voice. They were seeing another vision than what God wanted them to see. They weren't listening to the word of God. They were listening to the word of their flesh. Moses has been up on that mountain for a long time. What's happened to him? We don't even know if he exists anymore. We should make for ourselves a golden calf and worship it. How quickly, three months after they had parted, after they had gone through the Red Sea, how quickly they turned. I appreciated Pastor Paul's humility early on, saying I struggled with anger this week. I was surprised I got offended. I can relate to that. You don't have to raise your hands. You don't have to. I can relate to that. How quickly we turn into our own expectations of a situation and let that be the guide for how things should go. One of the things that God is speaking to me strongly is that we cannot serve two masters. He says that in Matthew 6, the only place in Scripture that it says in that phrasing, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve the spirit of mammon, and you cannot serve God. The Americanism that is in us, sort of like the Egyptianism that was in the first generation after the Exodus, where did they get that idea to bake that golden calf? Because they had seen it before. And now they can't see their expectations based on their own earthly understanding, their own flesh desires. They can't see God's plan. They can't, they haven't, the vision that God has for them hasn't gripped their hearts. And so they're resorting to different things. We as Americans so readily resort to reasoning and money. Hmm. And then there was silence. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, Pastor Josh, 
I'm not making fun of anybody. I've been here. <laughs> this is a safe place, but it's the truth. Pastor Josh, God gave me this job. He gave it to me. Really? God gave it to me? Yeah, I know he gave it to me because it's a raise in pay. I get better hours. And really what's driving that is my enslavement to Americanism, my enslavement to the spirit of mammon. I want to test that. I want to push up against that. Maybe what's making you feel good is actually an idol in your life, just like it was for the first generation after the Exodus. Maybe when I feel good, it's when there's a certain level of money in my bank account or a certain level in my retirement account or I have this covered or I'm insured or whatever else it could be by way of the, the spirit of mammon, the, the way of money. Maybe what's actually going on is I get peace when I serve the spirit of mammon. I want to tell you, just like it didn't work out for the children of Israel in that first generation, it will not work out for you. The spirit of mammon is a cruel taskmaster. Holy Spirit, help us be honest with ourselves. Speak to our hearts deeply. Because we get that job 10, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years going on 30 years or more in the job, and we don't have enough by the time. Oh, i got to work still a little more to retire. And we're locking ourselves into a schedule Monday through Friday or Sunday through whatever, or whatever the schedule is. We're locking ourselves into a schedule that's not his schedule for our lives. And that vision, that seedling of what he wanted to produce with our lives in the very beginning when we were younger starts to get quenched, starts to go away. Jesus speaks to us even as children. He shows us what he wants to do. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you, and I ordained you too. David writes, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me. That childlikeness is no joke. He speaks to us as children, and then we start to get Americanized. We start to get adultized, and we start to try to secure our own futures. And all the while, we're partnering with a golden calf called the spirit of mammon. It is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about the present tense entering into the kingdom of heaven. Behold, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, Jesus says. It's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Why is it hard? (laughs) Many of us have traveled outside of this country and we see the ease with which people are able to enter in to the presence of God. The hunger they have because they don't have doctors, they don't have insurance, they don't have an abundance of affluence that we Americans do. Without that distraction, without the spirit of mammon so interfused in our lives, they're able to enter in and they're hungry. They don't have anywhere else to look at. We often as Americans... They do have other places to look at, but you know what I mean. We as Americans, 
I'm trying to seek the Lord. I'm trying. People in other countries with little money, I have to find the Lord. I am desperate for him. He's my only answer. The competition between the two worlds is hard for us. That's why I heard recently a friend of mine praying for his African pastor friend who lives in a one-room house, this African pastor. And he says, I'm praying for you because I know it's hard to come by money. It's hard for you to make ends meet. And the guy says to my friend, I'm praying for you because I know how hard it is to have money as a crutch all the time and how it robs you of what God wants to produce in your life because you're constantly enslaved to it. We're sending missionaries to America. That's what he said. How, how awesome is it? How awesome is it when you encounter someone that has the hunger for the Lord? They want nothing less than his presence. Not, oh, I've got to get out of here at 11 o'clock. I've got shopping to do. And there was silence at ACF. Let me just say this. Uh, let me, I just popped up this verse, and you see everybody looking at it. Moses saw it, and he was burning. He was hot with anger. It didn't matter. He didn't, it didn't matter that people had an opposite viewpoint. He wasn't kowtowing to the fear of man and what everybody else wanted him to do. He had a vision from God, and he couldn't shake it. It couldn't go anywhere. It was burning like a fire within him. It could not be quenched until the vision materialized. And he was burning with righteous anger. Some of us need to hold on to the vision that he's given us in a greater, in a more passionate way. And not say, I am, and not say, I am going to let it go. To say, I am going to hold on to it with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. Because it's from God. It's a gift from God. Do you know that money isn't the root of all evil? It's the agape of money. The love of money. The unconditional dedication to money. I'm going to release a prophetic word because I feel to do so. There are millionaires in this house in the making. Maybe there are some already here. And God has blessed you. You haven't bowed your knee to the spirit of poverty. You haven't bowed your knee to the spirit of gluttony and greed. You have grabbed onto a vision, or you will grab onto a vision, where every dollar that comes through my hands is God's. God has called you to be generous benefactor a release of his kingdom assets, a release of his affluence, putting money in earthly terms where he wants it to be. I'm not talking, I'm not preaching against money. I'm preaching against the spirit of mammon that is so easily, easily compromising us. I bless what the Lord is doing in our midst. When people do not accept divine guidance, this is the New Living Translation, they run wild. 
just let that settle. Atheist Mark Twain writes this, the two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. The words of an atheist preaching to us today. Jesus puts it this way through the Apostle Paul, the eyes of our understanding be en being enlightened that we may know what is the hope of our calling. What are the riches of the glory in Christ Jesus? We would open up and see the purpose. Solomon writes this in Ecclesiastes 9. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you are going. I shared that with a group of seniors one year, and then I said, what, what that means, all those words, Ecclesiastes 9.10 is, life is short, make it count. The re you're born for a purpose. I'm born for a purpose. We need not, we should not, we ought not waste time with all these earthly pursuits. I'm sick. My first response is to go to the doctor. Americanism. Walking in the spirit because in the flesh, the carnal flesh, leads to death, Romans 8, 6. But if I walk in the spirit, it leads to life and peace. I'm sick. Holy Spirit, what are you saying? He uses doctors. I was involved in healthcare. But we're not to bow down to them. It's a change of mind, a metanoia. It's, he works in our hearts. He goes in and we repent for being Americanized and we get released into the Spirit. That sounds magical, Josh. Does that really happen? Ask me how I know. It's real. Just in a moment with the encounter with Jesus and the encounter with the Holy Spirit. The two most important days we have, the day we're born and the day we find out why. How many want to know why you're here? Why did God design you? Why did God put you here in 2023, even in this room in 2023? It wasn't to hear me. It was to be in his presence and have an encounter with him. For him to unlock the purpose, the vision that he has for us, each of us. Hebrews 3, we see that first generation could not enter in because of unbelief. Remember, vision is faith specifically focused, specific for a heavenly purpose, a heavenly expression here on earth. They could not enter into the promises of God because they had no faith. They didn't believe it. They put their trust in other things, even idols. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, the assurance of what God wants to do. I know it will happen because he's written it on my heart. When I was a teenager, I worked at a fitness facility. And I would see people come in. Paul, you, you know, you, you're gonna, this is going to ring your bell, man. <laughs> people would come in 
And they were trying to get healthy. They were trying to get in shape. And then one to two months later, they were no longer there. And it was nice for everybody else that wanted to work out. It was nice for everybody else that had a vision in their heart. (laughs) This is doable. Godly exercise profits a little. (laughs) Paul says that. And it's a word of wisdom, actually. In the, in the reality, I'm sensing it in the spirit. It's a word of wisdom for many of us. We turn to pills. We turn to other things. But God is saying, discipline. But with the people that had their vision to get better, to get healthier, they stuck it out because it was in their hearts. I'm not saying you need to have exercise in your heart. You need to have Lord in your heart. But as an illustration, movie stars, celebrities, and the Spirit leads, I'll share. We, we do wrong when we judge them as having never worked a day in their lives. They work exceptionally hard. Their pursuit is something akin to the spirit of mammon or pride in some way, recognition. I'm not saying it's all right. But they work hard and they apply themselves. Pastor Paulus said, I agree with it. You reap what you sow. Pastor Paula said, when you focus on something, when you want something, there's a good chance you're going to get it. And so they apply themselves for this empty pursuit of fame, recognition, money, whatever is driving them, maybe a combination of all of those things. They apply themselves to it, and then most of them end up depressed because they're empty. When we give ourselves over to the pursuit of things here in this world. Whatever you're thinking about, you know what I'm thinking about. There's so many of them. When we give ourselves to the pursuit of things in this world, we will be satisfied temporarily, but in the end we'll be unsatisfied. It's insatiable. The only thing that satisfies altogether is God. And he sees us. He sees us, he knows what makes us tick, and he has a specific vision for each of us. He wants us to get it. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. But whoever obeys the law is joyful. There is great joy in his vision. From experience, any time that I break up against the spirit of mammon. And usually he puts a dollar amount several times he's confirmed the exact dollar amount through Becky, my wife, that we're going to give. It's not joyful right up into the moment that I give it. But once I give it, because they seem to be increasing amount, they seem to be increasing sacrifices. He's trying to tell me, Josh, I want you to give it all. Okay. You see, the moment I give it is the moment the breakthrough comes. And I'm not preaching to do what I do except for this. Just do what God tells you to do. Yeah. If he's putting his finger on something, do what, it, do what he is. Do what he wants you to do. There's joy when I know when I know that what I'm doing is pleasing the Father, when I know there's joy on his face as he sees what I'm doing, that's strength to me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. There's joy when we step in to the vision and to the law of what he has for us. 
the law again being love the Lord our God with all our hearts, souls, and minds, and love our neighbors as ourselves. I want to say this, and I'm going to release some prophetic words as we close out. But before I do, <clears throat> when you have a specific vision from God, it can so grip you, it can so stir up passion in you that it can be easy to step on other people's visions as you pursue yours. That is not what God is saying. He says in Philippians 2, let each of us esteem others better than himself. <laughs> Second commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. I want to help you, brother. I want to help you, sister, get your vision met. It's funny how the kingdom currency works. As we help others, he pours out blessing on us. He loves it when we lay down our lives for each other. When we let other people walk on top of us and they don't even know it. I'm not, he's not making us doormats, but there's times where we take up our cross just as Jesus did and we engage in persecution and we engage in not being well understood. We shouldn't be the persecutors, but we are persecutors. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition and conceit. <clears throat> Heidi, are you here today? Okay. I'm going to have her come up in just a second. Are you guys with me? Can we, can we release some prophetic words? I just feel like God is speaking some specific things. Last night I shared this, and I'm going to share it today. He's speaking to school employees, people that are involved in education. As Daniel fasted in the Bible and prayed in the midst of foreign society, so too must you. He has given you dreams and visions regarding his work in the school system. It's too big for you, and you know it, and you've experienced it. But it's not too big for God in you. He wants you to pray. He wants you to fast. Receive his love in a fresh and increasing way and his power. Don't be surprised when colleagues come to you within the next 12 months. That's what I'm hearing. Within the next 12 months, seeking God for repentance. He's calling you as school workers to consecrate yourselves to him. I hear him saying, good job, good and faithful servants. And he's taking you up into another level. Get ready for the next 12 months. He's giving a word about writing both books and, and songs. He's stirred in hearts a vision. Could that be me, you've said? Could that be me that would write this book? Could that be me that would write this song? And he's saying, yes. He's stirred that within you. He's stirring in the creativity, a creative, creativity anointing to write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, to write the words of life that will bless many. 
And so I want to just invite Heidi up to share her testimony, if you would, sister. Uh, please honor her as she comes. <laughs> Heidi is a published author this year. I'm just a wife and a mother and a grandmother that God used as a tool. This book is a tool. It has helped me bless so many people. It has helped me reach out to so many people I wouldn't have reached out to otherwise. I blessed waitresses with it. <laughs> I blessed someone we met while we were waiting for our vehicle to be fixed. <laughs> I blessed people in doctor's offices. Just because I was obedient when God said, it's time to write your book and publish it. And that was 2020. And I took a year off just letting this manuscript lang languish a bit. Um, somebody said, I was listening to somebody that said, um, God wants you to have finances from heaven and ask him what he wants to give you. Well, $3,000 came in my mind. I had no idea what it was for. I had no idea how I was going to get it. I just, in faith, pulled it down from heaven. Well, about July, somebody on LinkedIn that publishes said, send me your manuscript. I don't care how much you've got. Send me your manuscript. And, oh, by the way, it's going to cost $3,000. At that point, I had $4,000 in my savings because he just laid on the money. <laughs> so don't be afraid. I, I was watching on TV, and, oh, you want to publish your Christian book? $8,000. <laughs> I didn't have faith, faith for 8000 but, well, I'm not sure I had a faith for 3000 but God provided My publisher went through a second cancer battle. I went through people trying to steal my finances. I went through people not wanting me to publish this. But God knows what he wants us for. And he knows how far it needs to go. And not only did he provide the first money, he provided the $500 to print another 80 copies. Yeah. He has provided the $12,000 to make this into an audio book. And this is none of my doing. I just faithfully did what he showed me to do. So if he's asked you to do something, go forth in faith and do it. Love you, Heidi. That's an awesome word. Testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. There's writers in this house. Uh, I could name them. <laughs> you know who you are. And if you don't, he's calling you. Mm. Dean, I believe God just has given me a word for you, brother. You spell faith, R-A-S-K. <clears throat> I agree with you. The Lord is also spelling faith as A-C-T, act. 
and you are. You are activating and you are activating others. I'm going to be bold in the Lord and say there's 11 people in this house that are going to come under your influence. And I'm telling you, this is a man of God. This is a man of God. I've, I've been with him ministering outside these four walls. God moves through him, and he says, he says to me what he'll say to you. I'm just little old me. <laughs> God can do whatever he does through me. He can do through you more and more. But uh, there's going to be 11 people that are going to come under your influence. The very vision that you've been praying to God for some time now, where you would see this house be activated in a way that goes beyond these four walls in a more tangible way, is going to come to pass in the name of Jesus. I, would, I just want to publicly drop Dean's name. <laughs> uh, I'm just telling you, it will bless you. I am not an evangelist. I believe Dean is one of his gift mixes. But I am called to evangelize. And when I go out and when I see people breaking through the fear of rejection, breaking through the fear of man, letting God stir faith, taking that risk, it's really good. That's a vision you've had, brother, and God is just going to give it some, he's going to be bringing it to pass. I see it in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. All right, God, oh, in Jesus' name, Brad and Nicole. <laughs> God, is so good. Um, the Lord is going to, <clears throat> he's called you to be under shepherds. And there's a time frame that I want to just gently reveal. Within the next three to five years, there's going to be a real shift in your ministry. You've had this vision burned in your hearts. Um, I haven't talked with you about this, but I believe it's together that you would under-shepherd together. I believe that's your vision, together, both in full-time ministry. And he's saying, set your affairs in order. Over the next three to five years, be prepared. There's going to be a progression into the next three years. There's going to be a progression, a, a growing into. You're going to see the vision more and more clearly. But in that three to five year period, you're going to see a major shift, like career changing shift. You're going to see something that's going to happen. I'm not making that happen. God is going to just, by his grace, is going to, is going to bless you guys with that. In Jesus' name, amen. When these, when these words get released, when these words get released, it's for everybody. I've been in so many services where other people got words, and I've learned to grab them for myself. Brother Tom Giles, I'm just getting for you, brother. God sees your praise, and he's well-pleased with your praise. He sees you in the secret place. He calls you his son, and he says, you have praised me well. He's going to use your praise and adoration to him, how you exalt him to be an influence even bigger than you have already. You're going to see coworkers that are just drawn to you, because you're giving God the glory. You're lifting him up, and he in turn is filling you with his holy glow. You're in the presence of him. You're in his Shekinah glory. I just want you to know that, brother. The Father's well pleased with your praise, and he's going to use it to minister to so many. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Why don't we stand to our feet? Some of us are struggling 
to see the vision that God has for us. Some of us are struggling because we know the vision that God has for us and it just hasn't come to pass. And some of us need encouragement as we continue in the vision that God has laid on our hearts. Father, we thank you for your word. He says in his word that Jesus had a vision when he was dying on the cross. He had a vision for the joy set before him. He endured the cross. Jesus walked with the Father constantly before him. There's times he spent all night in prayer seeing the Father, being with the Father. Holy Spirit, we bless everything that you're speaking to us, everything that you're showing us. We choose you, Holy Spirit. We choose your voice. We choose your vision, your truth. We bless the grace to be active in our lives that enables us to turn away from the things that have pulled away and detracted from your vision, God. The grace that brings us to repentance continually. We're all Christians. We're all sons of God. Not perfect, but being made perfect. We bless your vision for each of us, each one here, and woman and child. And we bless your vision for this house. Your kingdom come, your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you for your daily bread today. In Jesus' name, amen.